This podcast is part of Mishmash Media. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Good. Welcome to another episode of Curbcast. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And every week we get an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm in sequential order and uh, we review the episode scene by scene. And Stephen, we are in the tail end of season four. Uh, we're, up to season, uh, we're up to episode seven, The Surrogate. Probably my favorite episode of the season. Yeah, no, excellent episode. We, I think we touched on it last week because we were going to record these episodes back to back, but uh, due to time restrictions, we didn't. Yep. But yeah, I, I would agree. Rewatching it for uh, just before this recording session. Yeah, love it. Great episode. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's just so hilarious. My my favorite part is when you see the surrogate running from the the bridal shower. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a panda in her arms. Yeah, the so rest good. of the bridal shower chasing her down the street as well. Fantastic, <laughs> it's fantastic. She's moving pretty quickly for a uh, very heavily pregnant woman. Yeah, well, she probably just the actress has a pillow under there, so yeah, <laughs> that's why she can run quite easily. And she really wants to keep that baby. So uh, yeah, you know, she's got that extra extra energy, extra spring in her step. Yeah, it's her baby. Don't yeah. let anyone take it away from her. Exactly, and. Uh, before we press on with the episode, in case my, uh, anyone notices that my voice is a bit bit crackly, a bit croaky, I'm on the tail end of, uh, of an unfortunate COVID-19 diagnosis, been at home for just over a week in isolation, but luckily it didn't affect our recording schedule or our ability to put out episodes, um, but I've still got a bit of a, a scratchy throat and uh, feeling a tiny bit under the weather still. So if I'm a bit dull or if I forget a few things, it's because of the old foggy COVID brain. So I apologize in advance, but uh, we'll see how we go. Yeah, it's like... Like we're talking about Frasier today. Yeah. Like, what? I, I, <laughs> Not quite, man. I'd be happy about that. You just talk about Kurt, yeah. talk about Frasier, and I'm sure at some point we'll we'll meet up. Yeah. This podcast is now called Frasiercast. Frasiercast. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly fine. Now you'll be all right, and I'm glad you're. Uh, you know, you've been under the weather, but you're uh, you're getting better. Yeah, that's right. If uh, you want to check us out on social media, you can. We've got a Facebook and Instagram, a Twitter, and a Reddit, and our handle is CurbcastPod. We've also got a email address, CurbcastPod at gmail.com If you want to say hello or get in touch with us, uh, we've got a Facebook group as well called Curb Your Enthusisms. So check that out. We've got about three and a half thousand Curb fans all together on Facebook, hanging out and talking all things Larry and all things Curb. And finally, if you want to support us, you can. We've got a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash mishmash media, which is the name of our uh, podcast network, which we put Curbcast out under. Um, and uh, you can support us for a few bucks a month if you like what we're doing. Uh, we don't have any bonus content at the moment, but with 2022 just kicking off and uh, many ideas that have been sort of on the boil for a little while or in our heads for a little while, we uh, will be providing some bonus content and some all sorts of cool stuff as the year rolls on. Indeed. Anyway. Let's get into the uh, episode, huh? Yep. The surrogate aired in the US on February 22nd, 2004. In this episode, Larry needs a clean bill of health for the producers, but a little heart trouble means no dice. The doctor gives Larry a device called a heart halter that is used to monitor his heart. Well, he uses the device to get out of some unappealing situations, including a baby shower, accusations of blatant racism, and a car accident which lands him in trouble with his producer's co-star, David Trumer, and his father, Irving. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, that end scene. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the only trivia fact that I have about the episode, Steve, is uh, the woman, the actress who plays the tall toy saleswoman with the biracial doll, a very young Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, spotted that. Um, Melissa McCarthy, obviously a very uh, successful and funny actress in her own right these days. I think my favorite role of hers is probably Bridesmaids. She's hilarious in that. Oh yeah, she's uh, she's pretty nuts in that one. Yeah, she's a kind of a like a a very serious. I don't know, kind of 
butchy. Yeah, like I think she's a cop or a or something like that, or an ex cop or something like that. And she's yeah, kind yeah. Of, she's kind of the you know she's the least. I guess the implication is that she's the least feminine out of all of the you know the the women friends. And yeah, it's she's amazing. That I love her. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's accomplished a lot. It's good to see her uh, from when she started yeah. <laughs> back in two thousand and four. Yeah. yeah, it's always interesting when that happens. You know, you watch an old movie and then you're like, oh, that's a young, I don't know, Bruce Willis or something. Yeah, my wife is currently watching ER for the first time. Mm. And uh, yeah, like I have I watched like one episode here and there, but she, she watches it religiously. You know, I sat down and then you're like, you look at this actor and you're like, oh, wow. And he play, they play like a patient or something. And it's like, mm. wow, boy, look where he's come from, like the mid 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> look what he's doing now. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, this, this woman, I've seen her in something before. Yeah, it's you like, kind oh, of- yeah. You can't. Sometimes you forget that big stars didn't just drop out of the sky into the A list. You know that they did start out just by you know with little one-off character roles or bit parts or you know ads or whatever. You know, and it took a while to work up to the to the big time. Yeah, definitely, and they worked hard and, and got where they are. But it's just incredible when you see, especially like Melissa. You know, she's so young and she's only like in one scene, but she doesn't do much really. Like nothing really happens to her. No, 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 no. She's kind um, of just yeah. half confused by Larry's insistence of uh, you know all, all of his takes on biracial. And is that a word? By, by yeah, by ra- biraciality. Yeah. It it's a mulatto. It sounds like a word, so we'll just pretend it is a word. It's a mulatto. <laughs> I never heard that word before. That was a new one. To I me. never heard that word either. I had to, I had to look it up to you know to look yeah. at history because I was interested you know as to why it's not not really the accepted description for biracial people anymore. So um yeah that that was uh that was an interesting one. That was yeah yeah I, I googled that as well and I'm like ah that's what it is I see. <laughs> Yeah, we're not familiar with that word in Australia. No, 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 no. I'd never even heard it like on movies or hadn't, you know, sometimes you just hear old words in your life somewhere, but yeah, obviously a bit of an old an old word that Larry still hasn't uh, let go of, but you know, he's pretty receptive to to advice in this episode, so that's good. He is, yes, and especially with uh, black men and black and white men, you know, and the differences between dating them. Exactly. (laughs) In the first scene, Larry and Cheryl are watching the end of the puffy shirt from Seinfeld in their bed. Their friend Marilyn calls as she calls after every episode goes to air as she is a massive fan of the show. Cheryl says Larry is unavailable to talk. Larry says he has to go for a physical exam for the producers tomorrow as Cheryl asks him to get a present for Betty's baby shower. Larry asks if the surrogate should get something. Larry thinks uh, she should get something as well, even though Cheryl says only Betty should be getting a present. (laughs) Cheryl is stroking Larry's chest to try and initiate sex, and uh, Larry says he can't do anything at the moment. Give it a couple more days, as the dog Oscar bit his penis a few episodes ago. Yeah. The first thing that stood out to me in this this scene, um, obviously them watching Seinfeld, was a bit... I mean, you know, Seinfeld exists in uh, Curb World, you know, and a lot of the Seinfeld characters come in, in and out of the show, and there is a Seinfeld reunion later on as well. But yeah, I mean, that was just a, it was a, uh, what's the word? I don't know. It just, it was a an impactful way to open up the episode of like, oh yeah, Larry's watching Seinfeld. Mm, yeah. The, <laughs> the other thing I thought that was a bit, not odd, but just a bit interesting with Larry is normally when he doesn't understand a social protocol or, you know, something that people do as a custom or or whatever, it's normally, he thinks that there should be less of the thing or the thing shouldn't be done. In this case, he thinks there should be extra effort. I, I don't imagine, I've never been to a surrogate or a baby shower with the surrogate involved, but I don't imagine anyone has ever thought, you know, the surrogate, like an extra present should be brought for, bought and brought for the surrogate. No, Norm- I, I thought not Larry either. would be like, well, like we shouldn't get her one. But in this case, he's, he doesn't understand the protocol of, well, that's not what we do, Larry. We don't get surrogate's presents. It, it, it's like, rather than being insistent on something that shouldn't happen, he's insisting on something that should happen. It was, you know, it was 
typical Larry in that he doesn't understand norms and customs, but the difference was, you know, that he's adding something to the protocol rather than thinking something should be taken away or that it should be less mm. than what it is. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like even the surrogate says in a later scene that it's her job to carry the baby. Like she knows what she's in for. Yeah, yeah. She didn't expect that giant panda. You know, she's very appreciative of, of it, but it was just a different take on Larry's normal, I don't understand why this is a thing aspect of his personality that often comes up. It was just, you know, rather than not, I could imagine this situation more being, you know, if Cheryl would say, oh, and don't forget to get a present for the surrogate and Larry going, mm. why do I need to get a present for the surrogate? You know, they're just, that's that's how I imagine Larry would be. Like, why, why would- I could imagine be? the opposite. Yeah, yeah he yeah, just yeah. questions it. Everything. Like, well, why wouldn't we get a present? It was it was a different take on that typical aspect of Larry's personality, which I thought was you know was uh, was cool. Yeah, and I think that made perfect sense going in this direction because yeah, you're right. It's not typical for a surrogate to get a present. Yeah, I mean they're just doing their job. So I think it would have been really silly writing if Cheryl said, "Let's get." you know, randomly, let's get a present for the surrogate. And then Larry's like, that's weird. Yeah. Because yeah. usually it's Larry that has all these weird thoughts, not not Cheryl. Like Cheryl's more, you know, straight and narrow in terms of like how things work and stuff. She kind of knows knows her shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Larry has to like question everything. Yeah, but Larry's questioning in this is like, it's resulting in like something extra being brought to this, to this social custom rather than taking something away or it being mm. too complicated or whatever. He's kind of making it more complicated. You know, well, we have to, we all have to think of an extra present for this for this third person. One thing that occurred to me is like, maybe he's trying to be more thoughtful, you know, because the last few episodes, the carpool lane and the five wood, Larry's done some of his most like thoughtless and careless and meanest stuff. You know, maybe maybe he's just, he's gone so far into the mean, thoughtless direction. He's trying to be extra thoughtful to sort of balance that out a bit or something. You know, maybe Cheryl's had a bit of a word to him. Like you've really got to, you've gone too far, Larry. You swapped a golf club out of it. (laughs) A dead man's dead hand, man's hand. At, at his own funeral yeah. and, you know, hung out with a sex worker and you were a total, total asshole about, oh, I can't remember his name's dead. Marty. Marty's Ma- oh no, Marty, Marty's father. And, yeah. and you got Marty arrested. And you got Marty arrested. That like, was your you've, drugs. You know, you've had this like two episodes of like Larry really going over the line more so than normal. You've got to pull your head in a bit. Maybe he's trying to be extra thoughtful, but you know, overcompensate that. Yeah. But later on, actually Larry does have a little bit of snark later on in the episode, but anyway, we can talk about that when, when that scene comes up. But yeah, he, he kind of, yeah, you're right. He's not as mean in this episode. No, but he, he has done. He, he does a mean thing later on, which I'll I'll talk about totally. later. Yeah, but yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's still mean, learning somewhat. Yeah, the fact that he thought, the fact that he even thought, whether it's a normal custom or not, you know, or a normal protocol or not, the fact that he even thought of his own volition, hey, maybe we should get the surrogate in present as well. Like that's that's not typical Larry to be extra thoughtful for someone who's ordinarily kind of forgotten in this this sort of scenario. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, that was a nice opening scene, and it's good to see some Seinfeld. You don't see uh, Seinfeld too much on Curb. No, no, no. Obviously, they don't want to taint it with too much Seinfeld. It's its own thing, but uh, it's good to always be reminded of that link. Yeah, of that link. And I love when Larry says, you know, at the end of the episode, and it's like, oh, great show. And Cheryl's like, yeah, yeah, it was a great show. So he kind of, he knows, he knows he wrote something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Larry, for all of his lack of awareness of most of the world around him and how people think and and operate in the world, he's definitely aware of uh, culturally the impact that he's had with uh, with his writing and with the show. Mm, Exactly. And now it's all uh, on the internet. 
Seinfeldisms, <laughs> wink, wink, <laughs> and all that stuff. It's, you know, that Seinfeld fandom is everywhere. Indeed. Larry is in the waiting room the next day, shuffling through magazines, as he is called in for his physical. Larry says to the receptionist that the magazine collection needs to be updated, and uh, he walks into the doctor's office. Larry walks on the treadmill to have his heart rate checked as he's complaining about the magazines to the doctor. And I think it's it's, it's Dr. Jack. He was in, uh, wasn't he the doctor who was the husband of the lawyer? Was that the same one? I think it's the same doctor, isn't it? I think so. He from previous seasons. I yeah, think like season he one looks or two. Familiar, but I can't pinpoint. Yeah. Uh, which episode? Yeah, no, you're probably right. You know, he's the one where the lawyer, the lady lawyer, tries to get money from Larry, and you know, Larry, it looks like Larry never has money on him, and he's trying to beg uh, for money. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, I'll look at your finger, but you got to pay, you know, my wife, <laughs> you know, her fee uh, and stuff." Yep, yep, yep. yep. I, I think it's that doctor. Okay. So obviously, they they've kind of they must have figured out the the money issue way back when. Yeah. I think it was like two, three seasons ago when it happened. <laughs> and yeah, and hopefully they could have. So obviously, he's Doctor Jack. I call him. He's uh, still seeing Larry. Yep. <laughs> and he understands. I love. I love with Doctor Jack how he really like. He knows how Larry thinks, mm. and you know, like, yeah, because Larry says all this dumb shit, and then Doctor Jack like puts him in mind. Is like, all right, Larry, I know. Don't be an idiot. You got to do it this way. This is how you do things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a doctor. I went to medical school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is like Larry. Like he just tries to keep him in mind. I love that. Yeah, he knows how. He knows how fucked Larry is. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows how to to keep Larry in line, and you know, I guess doctors in general probably have to deal with some difficult personalities and high stress situations where people are acting out of sorts for various reasons. So they you know, he's probably got that skill anyway. But he definitely knows how to, you know, yeah, how to keep Larry in check. Yeah, especially after what he did to his wife mm. <laughs> in terms of the, the fees. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably a bit more. Uh, yeah, he wants to keep more in line after that. Mm. Yep, he's uh, less a le- bit more, oh. less tolerant of his uh, of his bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Ever since I think less tolerant, but ever since that incident, he uh, he's he yeah, he's more uh, focused on Larry. Yeah, I, I can imagine him going into like Larry mode. He's like, oh, my next patient's Larry. And he kind of like turns on Larry mode to, mm. to, to deal with him. And then once Larry leaves, he relaxes a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's less tense. Yeah. Less fight or flight response with Larry. That's it. A beautiful nurse named Renee, who happens to be uh, a woman who's Richard Lewis is also dating, uh, walks in and Larry's heart rate begins to increase as he is looking at her. His ECG begins to spike. Later on, the doctor says that Larry has an abnormality in his ECG and that he can't clear him for good health. Larry says there is nothing wrong with him. Dr. Jack says that he'll give Larry a heart halter to wear for 24 hours. If his heartbeat is normal when he comes back tomorrow, he'll clear Larry for the show. And uh, Renee is applying the halter to Larry and Larry is looking a bit, uh, yeah, he's like, what the hell? <laughs> I like that part. I, like, I just like his face. He's just like, this beautiful woman is right up right up on me, putting stuff on my chest. Yep. <laughs> So it's great. Yeah, yeah, heart halter. Have you heard of one of those? Uh, not specifically. I mean, I think I've been aware of devices used to, you know, monitor harder and gather data to, you know, to assist with um, medical assessments, but not this sort of device specifically. No. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's there's many of those kind of things, but mm. yeah, it kind of makes sense. It just like it looks pretty like sleek. It looks like a you know like a like a nineties cell phone you know in Larry's yeah. pocket <laughs> it doesn't it's not 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 as not a, I was gonna be like a big chunky thing that he'd have to put on his belt or something yeah that no, would have cons- been a nice gag no considering when I mean technology is always getting smaller and more sophisticated but considering the state of technology in 04 I think when this episode came out the yeah it's, it's pretty discreet and uh pretty yeah pretty pretty low-key yeah these days they probably have like apps for it and you connect mm. something to your you know USB well, just- on your phone or some shit Someone just needs to gather data off your Apple Watch or whatever. So, you know. Oh, that too. Yeah. The wearables. Yeah. That makes sense. So, <laughs> much easier these days. Yeah. Hey, Larry. Hi, Renee. How you feeling? Good. 
Later that day, Richard and Larry are out for lunch and talk about Renee. Richard asks if Larry has ever been with an African-American woman. Larry says he's been with two. And I love when Richard says, what, at the same time? And Larry's like, no, <laughs> no, two, two separate women. Richard says Renee is his first African-American woman. Richard explains that he saw an NBA player take his towel off and he had a dick that could extinguish a Chicago fire. <laughs> Richard says that he is intimidated about sleeping with her and Larry offers to, to have Renee for his 10th anniversary gift. Richard accosts Larry for trying to get with his friend's girlfriend. And, and I understand that completely. I mean, you don't just, you know, it's not like, say I had like an anniversary gift, right? And we were having lunch and you were talking about, you know, your lovely fiance. And imagine if I was like, what if Kaylee became my 10th anniversary gift? You'd be pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Uh, I think it would depend how you said it. If you're saying it in a joking way, I, I'd probably laugh along with it. But if you were suggesting it, if there was any seriousness to your suggestion, even if it was a, a small amount of seriousness, I'd probably be. Like what Larry does to Richard now. Yeah. But if you were just like, haha, if you were making an obvious joke. That would be, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd probably find that funny. But yeah, if there was any hint of seriousness, I'd, I'd probably uh, be a bit upset. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, but th- that, that's what Larry does. There's, there's a hint of seriousness towards Richard as well. Yeah, if, like, if he was what? just no. joking with, if he was just joking with Richard, then yeah, I think that's just a funny joke between friends because they're, yeah, they're kind of taking the piss out of each other. Like Larry's taking the piss out of the fact that he can't find a woman to sleep with, you know, and also like making a joke. He's like offering his friend a favor because his friend's intimidated. By uh, the by, the prospect of sleeping with her, but the fact that Larry is even half serious, yeah, is a bit uh, a bit a bit inappropriate. Yeah, it is inappropriate. I mean, Richard's like, you don't do that to your friend. No, <laughs> you know, you don't just offer, you know, take take their girlfriend. You know, it's like you can't do that shit. Yeah, I, I'm with Richard on this one. And and I also love the fact that it's not up to either of them; it's up to Renee. You know, like Larry can't just be like, oh well, I'll fuck her. Then it's just going to happen. Like Renee, I don't Renee, think Renee, Renee would is do the it. one who's going to determine who is going to fuck her. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Renee would do it anyway. No, because, no, you know, no, like, she wouldn't do it anyway but it's like you know they're not even they're not even remembering that it's not up to them to decide who who gets to fuck it like it's up to (laughs) even if they came to an agreement of like yeah you're right like you know even if richard felt okay with that larry assumes that it's going to happen like it would be up to renee i just find that (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that uh, it's her decision guys not either one of yours Exactly. You can't just say we're going to do this. But yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I don't think Renee would do it because obviously she's the nurse. She's Dr. Jack's assistant nurse. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, she, she'd look at Larry as a patient and go, oh, I can't screw patients like that. Yeah. That's and weird. look, you know, Larry, yeah. Larry, um, you know, he, obviously some women find him, I mean, Cheryl is a cat. She's a babe and she's smart mm. and all of that, you know, but Larry, I think would be objectively speaking, unattractive to most women just because of his age maybe and his uh who he is i guess so i probably yeah i guess i probably would say unattractive probably more unappealing unappealing especially yeah. when he opens especially when he opens his mouth the second he opens his mouth and waffles like he has done a couple of times earlier yeah, in actually. the season yeah, no that's that's yeah. a good point i appreciate that that's that's a good <laughs> way to put it because he yeah he yeah, would be i mean yeah he's kind of like quirks and you know, because he is charming and he is like he is when he wants to be. He's witty when he when he mm. from time to time. But yeah, I think once most women get to know him, you know, even for a little bit, their initial attraction is extinguished because of you know, yeah, something he said or some like just aspect of his personality that just make them go, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, I know it's like Ugh. no, <laughs> but no, Larry, Larry, not not unattractive. No, I wouldn't say he's unattractive. But, no, 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 I get and, what you mean. Obviously, yeah, he's, he's unappealing. Yeah, obviously, attraction is subjective, but you know, there there are people who you would describe as generally attractive and people he would describe as generally unattractive 
Obviously yeah. not to everyone in every situation, but for the most part, I would put Larry just generally on the less attractive end of the spectrum. Again, purely because of his age, he's not like some mm. handsome hunk. You know, he's not like super charming and confident. Like he's a bit bit of a weirdo. He's he's no know, George Clooney or anything. Yeah, he's not he's not George Clooney, but. Obviously, people are complicated and uh, they're more than just how they look and how their personality is. So, yeah, but that's all I meant. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. But no, you're going back to that. At least like Richard, he was mildly offended. But in the next scene, you know, Larry and Richard are walking out uh, as Larry heads to the valet parking booth. And, you know, they kind of fist bump each other. So it it sounds like they, you know, Larry talked Richard around and. Yeah, and I I think after you're friends with Larry for a while, you kind of expect that some inappropriate stuff's going to come out of his mouth. You know, that that's just par for the course. So Larry and Richard have said and done more inappropriate and fucked up things to each other than than like a half half baked suggestion that Larry screw his girlfriend. So you know, it's 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 not out of the the bounds of their normal the normal exchanges they have as friends. And if you want to be friends with Larry, you kind of got to accept that yeah, some some weird stuff's going to be thrown out there. Yeah, he's weird, and, and that's who he is. Yeah, you're just like well. Well, you know, that's that's just par for the course. So let's, uh, it's, it's not going to be, it's not so bad. It hasn't crossed a line that, uh, you know, that would dissolve their friendship. So yeah, I mean, they've done lots more sh- worse shit than that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. It's what we've seen so far. So far anyway, up until this point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is nothing. Larry heads to the valet parking section and hands his ticket to an African-American man in a suit. The man, uh, and he's wearing a, a white shirt, a black vest and a red tie. The man claims that they are not a valet and he says he's waiting for his car and that even black men can be serviced by valets. <laughs> Larry is shocked and apologizes as the man says that he fucked up and Larry kind of agrees. Like when this part came up, I'm like, holy shit. That is like, uh Yeah. <laughs> Did you kind of cringe as uh, well? It's like, I, I cringed uh, a bit. It's, it yeah, was yeah. one of those situations that, you know, we're confronted with at least once every couple of episodes where Larry's kind of half right and half wrong. Or not right and wrong, but maybe like half innocent and half guilty. He shouldn't be presumptuous. But at the same time, the guy was wearing a typical valet suit. He was standing next to the valet yes. um, thing. And Larry was kind of half paying attention, you know. So Larry wasn't just being like this arrogant, rich person who thinks that, like he wasn't being racist or insensitive, but he wasn't being very thoughtful either. He's, you know, it's that weird mm. gray area that Larry kind of finds himself in a lot where yeah, it's actually, not, when you when you, he's not malicious, yeah. but it's not he's not very thoughtful, or he's not very um, you know he doesn't consider the situation and and sort of suss it out first. He kind of just makes an assumption innocently, but it obviously has um, some effects on people. So yeah, I I, yeah. I don't think I think it's just a bad judgment, but not malicious judgment. Yeah, and I think the joke I think it works too because the man's an African American guy. If it was like oh like if it was like a white guy, it probably wouldn't have been as you know like yeah like dark kind of humor, you know, whereas like the fact it's an African-American guy and he's actually like a customer. He's not a, he was a patron of the restaurant waiting for his car. You know, I think that that kind of adds a bit of an edge to the, to the joke. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a similar could have, a similar sort of effect could have been achieved with anyone who's not white. I think, you know, that's, that's a stereotype that like service jobs or lower level jobs are, you know, typically done by non-white minorities in America and stuff. So mm. yeah, but mm. um, for the sake of the episode, because racial, racial stereotypes and biraciality, which is a word that I'm still insisting exists, you know, is, is a common theme through the episode. So it kind of, it lines up in that way too. It does. And uh, seconds later, as the man grabs his car to drive off, Wanda Sykes glares at Larry from a distance and walks up to him in anger. Wanda accosts Larry for being racist 
noticed as she says that they're filming something in the parking lot nearby. And yeah, like Wanda Sykes, she's back after a little while. I don't think we've seen her this season. I don't believe. No, no, we haven't no. seen her for a while. I can't remember the last time we have seen her, but definitely been a while. Yeah, it, it, like she was in last season a few times, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, we haven't seen her much. I don't think we've even seen her at all this season, which was, it was good to see her. But I, I'm glad they went with the, the take that she was actually filming something you know, nearby. I mean, it would, wouldn't it have been weird if Wanda was just standing there randomly to glare at Larry? I think that would have been like a bit, a bit unrealistic. You know, it's like a bit too stupid, a bit too yeah. loony. Yeah, I mean, curb curb works because you kind of have to suspend your belief that this many coincidences can occur in in a day or in an episode or whatever. You know, because Larry just finds himself in these like ridiculous situations where everything has to line up so well and. You know, this person has to be at this place at the right time or have overheard this thing that Larry said, you know, and and that's 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 what we do as viewers and fans of the show. But yeah, you're right. If she was just walking past or walking into the restaurant or whatever and happened to see what the, the interaction between Larry and the um, African-American man, yeah, it would have that would have been too much of a coincidence. It would have been a too, too far. Yeah, yeah it just would, it would have been too um, unbelievable. It would have been like real, like, you know, like a fantastical, you know, just yeah. too much like a fantasy. It's like, come on, this is ridiculous. Like Wanda yeah. just stood there the whole time, you know, doing like she was just there. Bob Bush is going to the restaurant or something, you know. Like I mean, they the, could have gone with that as well. But, yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, like I said, we're as viewers, we're happy to accept that, you know, this many coincidences happen in the show generally, which probably wouldn't happen to most people in real life most of the time. You know, mm. we're happy to accept a level of that because that's what makes the show work. But yeah, this would have been too much of a, oh, come on. Like that's like that's just too convenient for the sake of, uh, you know, the sake of the plot or the sake of awkward situation unfolding sort of thing. Yeah, and I do appreciate that in the background, you can actually see the film shoot as well. So that's, yeah. a, that's yeah. a nice touch there. Totally, yeah. And I think the fact that you haven't seen Wanda for a while as well kind of makes it a bit more believable. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. She's the last person you expect. The longer between interactions, the more believable it is that they're going to turn back up because, you know, it's not like they're turning up every episode, every time it would be convenient. It's just occasionally. So I think yeah, that, yeah. that adds a sense of like, oh, well, that, you know, I can ex- I can accept this this situation. It's not too ridiculous. No, no, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Larry asks Wanda if there is a difference between sleeping with a black man and a white man in terms of penis size. And uh, Larry, I love when Larry says, let me rephrase that. And she's like, you rephrase that. He's <laughs> like, yeah. you will rephrase that. Yeah, try, try <laughs> again, Larry. Swing try again, this. Larry. Have another yeah. go. Come on, tell me, yeah, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Wanda refuses to answer the question. Larry reacts as a bug lands on his face. <laughs> Wanda asks if her script has been looked at by one of Larry's uh, assistants or one of Larry's uh, like writer buddies. Um, he says that the person will look at it as he jokingly asks for a black man to get his car as Wanda walks off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, excuse me, is there a black man that can take my car? <laughs> excuse me. Hello. Mm. <laughs> and he's like, he's looking at Wanda right at the end. So he know, he's just doing it to give Wanda shit as well. Yeah, he's just... He's He's just mocking the situation. I think it's a sign of, I can't remember the name of the episode, but where um, Larry, uh, when they run into Richard's friend, who is the the doctor while they're jogging, he's also an African-American man. Oh, the dermatologist, yeah. Dermatologist, yeah. that's right. Like similar similar jokes in that episode play out where Larry is mistaken to be this racist, but it's just because he says dumb stuff or he's not thoughtful about situations or, or whatever. But in, that epi- in those episodes or in that episode, he's very like, he, he sort of like, he goes to a big effort to show that he's not racist. He's like, oh my God, like he feels bad. And he, he like, he puts a lot of effort into like counteracting that impression that people have of him or the, the mistake, the mistaken impressions that people get of him. Whereas in this, he's just like, you know what? 
like I know I'm I know that I wasn't racist so I, he doesn't seem as concerned to be like to be overly apologetic to I mean he doesn't apologize at all or he kind of he doesn't you know he doesn't offer any like oh my god I'm so sorry that was so dumb to to wonder he's just like you know what it wasn't racist it was a mistake you know what I mean like he is kind of he feels less bad or he has less of a need to be to show that oh my god no I wasn't racist like he's just because he knows that it wasn't you know like mm. whereas in that episode with the dermatologist the rest of the episode, he had to go to great lengths to show that he wasn't racist, even though it didn't work out for him. You know, he was very apologetic. He was very concerned about the perception of him being a racist. Whereas in this, he's like, you know what? I wasn't racist. It was dumb. It was a mistake. I should have been more, I should have thought more about the situation before I presumed that this guy was the the valet. But you know what? I'm not some racist person. So like, he seems less concerned about corrective sort of actions, you know, or being apologetic to Wanda or even the black guy. Like he doesn't chase yeah. the black guy and the, the valet or the mistaken valet, I should say. He doesn't chase him down and offer to, you know, he, does, he just doesn't seem too invested or concerned in like any corrective behavior. Because I think he thinks that, you know what, it was dumb, but what, you know, I know who I am and I know what happened. So, you know, I don't care about Wanda's misperception of the situation. Yeah. Well, that is one thing, Steve, that I have noticed about Larry in this season. Like in previous seasons, he'd be more forgiving and really make an effort to clear his name. Yeah. But I've noticed like in season four, especially like last week, in last week's episode where he to get out of jury duty he said that you know the defendant was a negro so he'd have probably cloud his judgment like even doing shit like that even like going out to make it look like he's racist as well mm. i don't think that's something that larry would have done in earlier seasons mm. no. it's almost as if larry is like doesn't give a fuck anymore he's just like i don't give a fuck what people think it's probably, a case, just... it's probably a case of, you know what, people, like, no matter what I do or what I don't do, people think that about me anyway. Like, I can't undo such an, such a, such a reputational, you know, damage to me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like lean in hard. Yeah, you know? that's like, what I'm is, thinking. Is, it's like, yeah, yeah you've, yeah. you've noticed there's like, he's been doing that a lot this season. He's yeah. done stuff and he knows he's in the shit, but he doesn't do anything. It's it's like, he just, yeah, you're right. He just thinks, you know, people think of, of me this way. I try clearing my name and then things just get worse. So what's the point? Yeah. I mean, I still think, I think he can be less concerned about cleaning up his reputation or, or you know, making amends or whatever without he can still he can he can give less of a shit about that that's fine because he's like well people are going to think it anyway so what's the point you know he can he can be like that and i would understand that without the jury duty stuff was just still like come on man like you can not care but you can also not add to it sort of thing yeah that's really adding to it yeah you can be more blase about it go well i can't control it what you know whatever will be will be but you can also yeah not add fuel to the fire as well yeah. like you don't have it to just, go this, yeah. you don't have to lean into it this hard just no, stop, no just stop caring as much don't add don't add more ammunition to you know the people who already think that you're a racist and that's what he does i mean it's just really weird seeing larry it's like almost like a character development yeah well i mean larry has always had this kind of like i don't want to say nihilistic because that's probably a bit too far but there is a hint of like I guess I can't think of a like lesser nihilism. I can't, I don't know what the word is to describe, but just a, well, what does it matter anyway? This kind of like, almost like a futility. More like an apathy. An apathy or like a, like a low level of futility where it's just like, well. Very like, fatalist mindset. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like low level fatalism or, um yeah, or, or nihilism or something. It's not that extreme. It's not like he doesn't care about anything or anyone or doesn't care about any consequences, but he just seems less and less concerned over time with, going out and setting the record straight as you said he's just like well i tried to explain it i apologized 
And if they're not going to believe me or give me the benefit of the doubt, then uh, I'll just I'll mock the situation instead. Like, <laughs> Which he does. He does you know, the joke just, at the end of this scene. Yeah, I, I think he just I think he just cares <laughs> less. I don't think that's true for every aspect of you know what people think of him. It just seems to be so far you know that people think he's a racist. I think that's the one that he's just like, well, you know, that's the one he seemed to have let go of the most of. It's kind of like a running theme of the show. People yeah. think he's racist towards black people. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, you know, I'm not saying that racism is funny, but the the general, you know, field or topic of racial tension or, or people misunderstanding people's intentions or, or behaviors as racist, like just that whole area is ripe for comedy gold, you know, for awkward, like cringy comedy, you know, which is what Kirby is. It's ripe for, you know, there's so much to mine from that area. So, you know, it makes sense that it keeps coming up because it's, you know, it's there's so much you can get from it for for this sort of style of awkward, cringy comedy that Kirb is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's what makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know. <laughs> yeah. In the next scene, Larry is at the toy store to get a gift for the baby, and uh, he asks the saleswoman, played by Melissa McCarthy, if the doll is the last one. She says it is, and that it is a biracial doll. And Larry says he'll take it. And he's asking questions like, "So, yeah, if there's a half black, half white." you know, a couple, I guess you get this doll. Or what if there's like a half Asian, I'm guessing if there's a half Asian, half white couple, there's one for them as well. And uh, and and I love how Melissa's character is like, she just doesn't care. She's just a sales, like, you know, she works at the toy store. She doesn't know about the uh, <laughs> the nuances of biracial toys. Yeah, She's like, oh, I, I, I just I, sell the toys. I don't know. I just work here casually. Yeah, I got yeah. no idea. And look, even if she does have like well-developed and well-informed opinions about racism in America or all the aspects of that biracial people may experience in, in life, I think she's just like, yeah, even if she knows about that stuff or has opinions about that stuff or feelings about that stuff, in this situation right now with Larry, it's just buy the toy and fuck off. Like this is not the time or the place to have like discussions about complicated social and political topics. Like just, I'm just, I'm working, man. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, if you want to talk about this stuff, meet me at the end of my shift and we'll go down to the bar and have a chat or something. I don't know. And she's just, yeah, and it's just kind the of way like I shrugging like, yeah, yeah, maybe like. She's trying to be yeah. nice to him. and She's like, trying to be polite, yeah. She's yeah. trying to be polite and listen to him, but she's also like, who cares, man? Like, just buy it or don't. Just, you know. Yeah, that's just, her internal monologue. She's yeah, just like, hurry the know, fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, hurry the fuck up. Yeah, but that's that a very, very short scene. It only goes for like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite short. Yeah, but it's good to see Melissa in a very early role. Mm -hmm. Don't know if she returns again to Curb. I got no idea, but I, I guess we'll find out as we go through the seasons. <laughs> Yeah, she might play yeah. another character or something. We'll find out. We will. The scene cuts to Betty's baby shower. She's opening gifts. The surrogate is standing in the back of the room uh, away from everyone else. Larry tells Cheryl about the heart halter issue and he asks if Betty's husband looks like someone and Cheryl says no. Larry says she always disagrees with him about that kind of stuff. I always say if someone looks like someone, you say no. <laughs> <laughs> they get into a typical David's argument about that kind of stuff. Betty opens their gift and Larry's, <laughs> which is the doll, <laughs> and Larry says, yeah, it's a mulatto. <laughs> the crowd goes silent and, and Betty goes, says they're goes, called no. biracial. Yeah, and he's like, no, not right, not not cool. No, no, no good. <laughs> no good, no, no good. good. It's like he's in a stand-up comedy gig and he says a joke and the crowd just goes silent. Yeah, it's like, like what? No good. This is another another example of him giving less of a shit of people's perceptions or misperceptions that he's a racist because yes, you know, like 
if this happened in season one or two and he said mulatto and everyone went silent and looked at him, he'd be he'd be more like like a deer caught in the headlights of like what what did I you know like he'd be more concerned or more yes uh, you know worried that about definitely the adds but to he's it, just huh? like he's just playing it off like what no you know like yeah so he just <laughs> he definitely gives less of a shit because he's like well I can't control it so if I put my foot in it I put my foot in it whatever like, you know. <laughs> Way he, goes. Just, he cares less he does he does <laughs> this is the way it goes let's love it yeah now what we said last scene you made a great point yes as larry is like this is what people think of me there's nothing else i can do so fuck yep. it <laughs> just do what fuck i can it. do yeah they see a second gift from the davids and they're about to open it but larry says it's for the surrogate as she as the surrogate comes to take it out of betty's hands and she walks off to for the, the gift and cheryl glares at larry later on larry goes up to the surrogate she thanks him for the gift and they have some small talk about different stuff larry tells her about wanda's script situation and she calls the script her baby and she talks and the way he's explaining it uh, causes the surrogate to get upset so larry says things like it's her baby she's got to look after it doesn't matter what people think she should hold on to the baby it's kind of like uh what like like a like a metaphor no not, not a metaphor what is it like uh what's what's the word uh well, it is technically a metaphor. Um, a metaphor, Larry, right. You know, Larry, it's just a coincidence that the surrogate, it's planting ideas in the head that maybe the surrogate doesn't want to let go of this baby. You know, it's giving her doubts about, well, I don't want to, it's making her realize that she doesn't want to relinquish this baby. And it's just the word baby. If Larry was using the word script, if he said, you know, people don't want to give up their script and they don't want to let go of their script, 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 script. I think it's just the word baby over and over and over and yes. over again. And yes. the direct comparison to the thoughts and feelings that, obviously the surrogate has had and squashed before now it's just the baby thing is just the word baby is just like hammering a home sort of thing for her makes her realize that oh like my doubts are stronger than i thought they were yeah i'm getting attached to this baby yeah i, I feel like the surrogate it might be her first radio for doing mm. this kind of stuff because if she was if she's done it like two three times she'd be like oh yeah i know what to do yeah i think it seems it seems like she, and I mean, I'm sure it probably happens to even to experience surrogates because you are growing a life. You know, I, I can't speak from experience because I'm, I can't get pregnant. And uh, even if I could, I've never been pregnant. But I imagine, you know, even if you are intellectually well aware, like this is not my baby, it's, you know, as soon as this baby's born, it's going to be given to the parents. You know, you still form a bond with it because it's growing inside of you. There's, and it's still hormonally, it's still like you still form a, you know, as, as the surrogate mother, you still form a, a biological and hormonal and emotional attachment to this child so even for experienced surrogates i'm sure they experience some of that separation loss or anxiety or you know something mm. similar even if intellectually they know that they know what's happening they know that it's just they are kind of just in a functional role for these parents who can't cons you know have a baby on their own naturally they are just a, a you know an employee of them technically but mm. the actual the actual hormonal biological and emotional feelings and aspects would be there i think for all surrogates whether it's their first or their tenth yeah because yeah, you can't be avoid there. that yeah. you know like those, I, I don't know the name of a chemical, but there is a chemical that's released as soon as a woman or, you know, as soon as someone finds out they're pregnant or, you know, starts to feel pregnant or I, I don't remember the exact pro time in, you know, in that process, but it's probably even straight away. It just like, it makes, it, it kind of takes over and that's, you know, that's that probably that motherhood instinct. It kind of just kicks in, you know, we just become super protective and every, you know, every decision that, you know, is about my baby, you know unborn mm. baby or born baby it's like that sort of motherly instinctive bond that's formed straight away so i think it's understandable that she has those doubts but obviously larry pushed her over the edge by saying baby <laughs> yes. a lot in a short she, amount of time sub saying baby and it goes subliminally in her mind yeah 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 i yeah. thought it was pretty clever actually how they how it sort of tipped her over the edge just by larry innocently saying um baby 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 and preparing <laughs> a script and writer's protectiveness of a script to that maternal 
instinct than mm-hmm. surrogates, obviously. I think the surrogate <laughs> as well, you know, she's probably experienced those those doubts and those feelings all the way through the pregnancy, but she's been able to suppress them until this situation, you know, it's more real now that Larry's like said, baby, 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 a hundred times. Yeah. And I think it's probably the first time that someone, to the surrogate's eyes anyway, it's like someone is in on her side. Because yeah. I could imagine with surrogacy, it's all about the mother and the father and the surrogate. Just like in the last scene, the surrogate's just in the background. She just well, yeah, does like- her job. You know like I, mean? I said, the surrogate is obviously they're doing a very important thing that you know, and they're, they're not just they're not just volunteering their time for a job. It's like their body and you know their their lifestyle and like you know they can't. It, it's very it's more than just oh, I'm just working forty hours a week and pay me money. It's it's like no, it's, it's taken over their life. And yeah. and even after the baby's born and their role is finished, it's still like you know there's still a lot of complications after birth, and it's still a, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe if they want children one day, maybe it might you know having someone else's baby might affect their chances of having another baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, I, stuff I don't like know that. Enough about that sort of stuff to really have a have an opinion, or I don't know, I'd, I'm too dumb when it comes to that stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, sure you'll you'll learn soon enough. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm announcing my retirement from podcasting and I'm going to become a surrogate. A surrogate dad. Good for you. Like, yeah. like Junior, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, exactly. I watched, I watched <laughs> that movie actually over, over my um, COVID isolation and it inspired me to New Year, New Me. Um, and that's, <laughs> yes. that's the direction I'm taking. New Year, New You and uh, New Baby. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. So, That's excellent. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm just happy to bring happiness into other people's lives by offering them a service I can't provide because I don't have the. I don't <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll get off this just weird remember. line of uh, line of conversation. We're ranting a bit. Um, just remember, it's your baby. You got to protect it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I just won't get in any. I just won't ask. Any, I, can, uh, I won't ask any TV writers about what's the emotional process of a, of a writer letting go of the script. Tell me about that and use the word baby a lot, please. Yeah, avoid that conversation. yeah, you don't want to run with the with a giant panda in your hands, run no. from the angry seething bridal shower as we look at later. I'm just thinking as well, I think the bridal shower is probably amplifying those feelings as well because it's like, you know, it's a representation of parenthood. You know, it's a celebration of this forthcoming baby that's probably adding to this this pressure that's been building up inside her about not wanting to let, let the baby go as well. You know, like mm. all, all the people around and expressing love for this baby and gifts and talking about the baby, you know, I think that's added to her decision to not let it go either. Yeah, yeah, well, I think so too. That situation. <laughs> but yes, well, we see, uh, we see what happens later on after yeah. what Larry plants in her head. She just gave a script to me to give to somebody. She said, don't let him touch my baby, you know. That's what they do. You work on something for months and months, then they take it away from you, and then that's it. You never see it again. They take your baby from you, they give your baby to somebody else, and that's it. Larry and David are rehearsing as, uh, uh, David Schwimmer rather, are rehearsing as Mel walks in. Mel comments on Larry still being on the book for his lines. And David says, because David's pissed off because Larry talked about the lack of cashews and health glow in the previous episode. So uh, David, uh, you can see David's not too happy with Larry. Because even he says like, we're performing in three and a half weeks and you're still on the book. Are you too mm. old for this? Mm. <laughs> you know, he's really like, he's, he's really uh, passive aggressive towards Larry at this point. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's just annoyed at him, and he's kind of just having a go. You know, he's just digging in a bit because he's yeah. he's already annoyed at him. Yeah, yeah, like not not like Ben Stiller, like 
lunatic, but no, no, no. he's getting he's a bit more like, reserved. But you know, obviously, yeah. Larry's rubbed in the wrong way about the um the cashew raisin ratio business idea. And um, <laughs> from a few know, Larry, episodes ago, yeah, I could imagine Larry still bringing it up. You know, like even you know to this day, yes. to this scene, Larry's still suggesting it, and David just being pissed off because he's not letting it go or something. You know, Larry just insisting over and over and over and over again, and he does in this scene. So you know. He does, he does. Mel asks for their doctor's orders. David shows his and he's clean. Larry tells Mel about the heart halter, but there's nothing wrong with him. Larry and David begin arguing and Mel ends the argument. David's dad, Irving, turns up and shows David some pictures of his trip to Spain. Larry reassures Mel that he will be fine. David introduces his dad to Mel, who is a fan of his work, and Mel says he's got to go for a few minutes. David introduces Larry to his dad, Irving, as he shows pictures, like I said. Larry's dad walks off. It's implied that David... Actually, we find out that, uh, you know, when Irving meets Larry, Irving is very reserved towards Larry. He's like, okay, yeah, it's you. And uh, he walks off. <laughs> and then Larry says, why did you uh, have to tell your dad about the lack of nuts in Health Glow package? <laughs> packets? And uh, yeah, that, that that's the reason why Irving isn't happy with Larry. Larry offers to call uh, Irving to apologize and he gets his number from David. But David says, don't call him before 7 or don't call him after 7 p.m. So, uh, yeah, so we can see that David has obviously said off screen about Larry's thoughts about the lack of cashews and uh, Irving being very proud of his business uh, is probably very offended. Yeah, he would take it, you know, he's a experienced nut and raisin businessman. I don't know what the professional term is for that. A nut man? A, a, raisin, a fruit and a nut technician. Snack man, professional <laughs> snack, snack man. man. Snack, a, a snack professionally a, a snackman a snack a, mogul a snack mogul he's a healthy snack mogul you know he's a <laughs> yes, leader yes, in the yes. health snack community you know and then you've got you've just got this like young upstart you know metaphorically young business you know in terms of business experience upstart coming in and telling him how to set his ratios and it's probably a bunch of other stuff as well i'm sure uh david has complained to irving you know about larry about you know he's probably annoying at rehearsals and he keeps you know he's probably just complained about Larry, like all of Larry's, all of who Larry is, you know, and Irving's just gotten this impression because obviously they're very close. And he's still going by the book, Larry, and they're, they're performing in three and a half weeks. Yeah. By this point, God, you're going to be on Broadway for fuck's sake. You got to get your lines down now. Yeah. You got to know them. You got to be able to like memorize them in your sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've got to be like a part of you at this point. Yeah. Oh, it's fucked. It's funny. <laughs> So good. So I think David is a bit pissed off at him as well because he's probably trying to do a scene scenes with Larry, but Larry just keeps reading. You know, they can't do eye contact. Larry keeps looking down his paper. So that's probably like ruining the immersion for David as well. Yeah, and I mean, Dave, you know, Larry's usually behind the camera, um, not in front of it. So, you know, David is an actor more than a, you know, a writer or I don't even know if he is a writer or a producer or a director or anything. Um, he's probably done some things, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but in 2004, yeah. he's probably still mostly just acted. So, yeah. You know, Larry is not normally acting at all, like other than a few random bit appearances in Seinfeld and, you know, a couple of bits and bobs here. He's mostly behind, he's the creative force, he's behind the camera. So, mm -hmm. you know, he's not, he's probably not taking it seriously because that's not normally what he does. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't understand the level of commitment that David would because that's that's his job. Especially theatre actors too, because you've got to remember all your lines. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't just it's, it's, reshoot it, or do another take. Yeah. 
take five. It's not like screen. Yeah, exactly. It's not like screen acting where you can just do like another take, you know, quickly read your lines and go back. Yeah. <laughs> it's all like live. <laughs> you got to yeah. do everything right. So it's quite an art. Totally. In the next scene, Larry is in his car and he pulls over to dial uh, Irving, call Irving to apologize for uh, what happened. Larry is starting to leave a message on his voicemail and he begins cursing at another driver who runs into the back of him. He gets out and confronts the driver who pulls out a crowbar. Larry spontaneously fakes having a heart attack and pulls out his heart halter to stop him from getting beaten up. The driver tries to help him as someone is calling an ambulance. That's a quick thinking by Larry with the heart halter. Yeah, I mean, it's short-term solution to, to defuse, you know, getting... I mean, this guy could have literally killed Larry, you know. That's, oh, yeah, he had the crowbar and he's going at him. Yeah, it was full Yeah, it's like it went from, it went from what, like three or four lines exchanged to let me get my crowbar so I can beat your head in. Like, and it was in his back seat too. Like, what yeah, are you doing around fucking with a crowbar in your back seat? Jesus. Yeah, it escalated very, very quickly. Um, it did. So yeah, definitely quick thinking on the part of Larry to defuse the situation, but um, <laughs> it obviously leads to more problems. It does, yes, <laughs> later on. <laughs> it does, but yeah, it's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, poor, and even the driver's like, he's still a bit... He's pissed off, even though it was his fault. He's still pissed off, but uh, yeah, but when he sees Larry have his pretend heart attack, he's like, oh shit, someone call an ambulance, help him. Yeah. He doesn't want to beat a guy who's having a heart attack. That's pretty, uh, pretty. No, funny. no, no. He's not a, you know, he only beats, he only beats old men who are healthy. He doesn't beat, you know, <laughs> he's not a road raid coward. And yeah. At least give, at least give Larry the decency and give him a crowbar and fight equally. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? You're not a noble person. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, well, the heart attack's doing the job that I was intending to. So, well, you know, my, <laughs> my job here's done. I'll just help this guy out now. Yeah. That's all I've done. Wow. What a murderous cunt. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's an angry, he's an angry motherfucker. Angry indeed. Like LA, like- LA aggression right there. Yeah. 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 Yep. And it's not uh-huh. like he was in the wrong. He backed into Larry. Oh, of course, hit, no, no. He he, had, he drove into Larry's rear end. Yeah, sorry, no, I meant he, he um yeah he yeah, hit Larry yeah. he hit Larry's uh, in the back. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's not like he was angry. Trunk, Larry yeah. hit him. It's like no, no. He's, he's angry because he just doesn't like being like acute. Well, he doesn't like being told that he made a mistake. You know? Exactly, and he would have done that to anyone. I reckon, like if you ran into anyone other than Larry, it would have been the same man, oh, yeah. woman. I mean, if you want whatever. to pull a crowbar, old, young, like, whatever. Oh, totally. You know, I mean, if you're that angry, you're not going to be. You're not going to decide to pull a crowbar based on who's uh, who you're angry at. It's just, yeah, it's just you're in my way and I will beat you to death regardless of who you are. <laughs> Those crowbars can do some pretty serious damage. Oh, I mean, he would, I mean, one crowbar to the head and he'd be dead. Yeah, all, exactly. All, all yeah, all head skull crushed in, brain brain crushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. You know, I mean, you can you can get punched in the head and die. So one yeah. crowbar is gonna you know, it's gonna cave your skull in. And mm, if it doesn't, do luckily, the, job, the, yeah. the subsequent smacking of the head on the gutter or the road will do, will, you know, finish the job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very lucky. That could have been uh, the end of Larry right there. That's it. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting pretty dark. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we are. let's, let's talk about heart attacks instead. Indeed. Yeah. Let's talk about something a bit more, uh, you know, non-voluntary, yeah. <laughs> something that non, can just non, happen. Non-skull, non-skull crushy. No, that's right. That's right. They were just as deadly. The scene cuts to Larry uh, getting into the ambulance and he keeps telling the paramedics that he faked the heart attack as they put him in. He's, driving to the hospital or they're driving to the hospital and as he drives past he spots the surrogate holding his, uh, her giant panda being chased by the, by the baby shower down the street with her present it's implied that she wants to keep the baby i was a bit confused steve about the timeline of this because i assume this car incident and the crowbar incident was a bit later on in the day like mm-hmm. was the baby shower still going or something i had the yeah. timelines confused what did you well, think of this I think were they still there for like another like several more hours or like yeah, they what, could what happened? Be. I mean, baby. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people there, and when Larry turned up, it was what like it seemed like lunchtime, maybe or late morning. Um, yeah, you know, or early afternoon. You know, so it could have been you know two or three hours. 
I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe I've never been to a, to a baby shower or had a baby shower, but the ones that I'm, you know, my, my partner has, and I think, you know, they've lasted like four five six hours and maybe even gone on longer if there's lots of people there mm. it takes a while for everyone to leave that so, makes sense yeah you know, okay. it, could have, it could have been like the baby shower started at lunchtime larry turned up at one when they were opening the presents you know by the time this fake heart attack incident occurred it was four o'clock you know yep. most people yeah. are still there yeah I, I i don't think it's that much of a stretch it's, it's just great it's a great visual like to see all the baby shower just run after her <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you know, 20 paces away from them, <laughs> like yeah. 10 paces from them. And she's just like running. Like I said. <laughs> and she's got that little shuffle because she's pregnant. Yeah. But she's still, uh, you know, for, for a pregnant woman, she's, she's, uh, she's moving fast. Yeah. And considering she's so late in the pregnancy too. Yeah. But she gives yeah, birth she's, like she's, almost she's right away. away from, she's days she's away day. from, um, from, uh, from popping and, uh, yeah. she's, uh, she's, she's going fast. So she must've had a big outburst after Larry left and said, I can't do this. The baby's yeah. mine. Everyone's like, what the as, fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> as George Costanza say, I can move, baby. I can move, baby. Oh, we can move. Yeah, pulp exactly. can move, baby. <laughs> yep. So, uh, you know, pulp can move. It so, can, yeah, she's, she's pulp in this situation. Pulp can move. It can, baby. In the hospital, uh, a nurse tells Larry that black and white guys are the same as she is biracial. Larry asks about the mulatto name, which is not used anymore. And uh, the nurse calmly says, no, we don't use that anymore. Like she seems right. pretty patient. Well, she's a nurse. I mean, you, you get all different types. Yeah. And I think it's a case of like this nurse can tell that Larry is not racist or has any racist ideas. I think he just, you know, he's an older man with just, you know, a, a bit of a, a vernacular that's a bit old fashioned. So, you know, she's not, she's not going to be like, oh my God, you're a racist. How dare you say that? It's just like, this guy's fine. He just, he just needs to be brought up to, up to date about what is and isn't acceptable to say. Yeah. 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 For sure. And, but and, no, it's right, good that the nurse she, kind of puts him in line too. Yeah, and she is a nurse. You know, she's got a her first priority is to make sure that he's okay before going off about a word that isn't acceptable anymore. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So no, it's good. And I think he puts the mulatto situation finally to bed. He's like, okay, yeah. mulatto is inappropriate. I'll stop using it. Yeah. Cheryl walks in to see if Larry's okay, and the nurse leaves as uh, Cheryl talks to Larry and says, "Is everything okay? What's happened?" Blah blah blah. Uh, Larry says, explains what happened with the driver, and Cheryl wonders why he's taking up a hospital bed. She says that Larry seems to be having a good time in the hospital. <laughs> It's like, what are you, she's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where kind of Larry is not totally in the right or totally in the wrong, you know, like mm. it was, it was the right idea for him to fake a heart attack because, you know, it diffused a potentially potential situation where he was either going to get killed or like permanently heinously injured, you know, so that's good. But at the same time, he's now you know, he's now wasted a hospital ride, uh, uh, an ambulance ride in a hospital bed. So it's a great, it's a gray situation. It's like, well, another gray situation. Yeah. What was Larry supposed to do? Just cop a beating because he shouldn't have taken up a hospital bed. Cause he, that would have sent him to hospital anyway. Exactly. Um, He'd still be in that bed know, regardless. Yeah. I'd or rather, I'd rather overall it's like, yeah. well, Larry, I'm glad you're in hospital for a fake injury than a real injury, you know? Of course. If he so, survived it, otherwise he'd be on a slab in the morgue. Yeah, but at the same time, like Cheryl's got a very fair point of like, well, what, like, like you are wasting resources and time and, you know, this, this bed could be used for someone who's got a, 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 you know, a real issue, not, not you. Then Larry says like, well, what did you want me to do? Like get beaten to death? So. Exactly. Yeah. He's got a good point there. They're both right. You know, Larry's right and he's wrong as usual. You know, it's great. Indeed. Indeed. She says that Larry, um, I I was going to say, she says that the surrogate is in labor in the same hospital as she wants to keep the baby and that the husband says that Betty's husband wants to kick Larry's ass. Larry gets discharged and Larry and Cheryl are in a very packed elevator and the door opens and the surrogate is in a wheelchair holding her baby. Larry yells out that he was talking about a script, not a literal baby as the door shut. <laughs> I was talking about a script. Yeah. 
Larry and Richard uh, are in a restaurant bathroom. Larry explains the whole mulatto situation. Larry says he's off to the doctor and uh, to see, uh, he's going to see Renee later on, obviously, when he goes to see Dr. Jack. Former NBA player Tyrone Mugsy Bogues walks into the bathroom and the guys are impressed to see him. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, he looks very familiar. He was one of the basketball players in Space Jam. That's how I uh, remember him. <laughs> yeah, he's the so short he- guy. Yeah, so so much. He was yeah, he's most famous. I don't know if the record still stands. It probably still does. But he, I was a big fan of his in the '90s when I was a massive uh, fan of NBA. When I was a kid, I used to collect basketball cards and all that. We all did. Yeah, we all did. Yeah, I think most most uh, most guys who are our age probably had a little NBA collecting, you know, NBA card collecting phase. What Um, was your team? The Hornets, was it? No, the Knicks or the Hornets. Oh, the Knicks. The the Hornets and then the Knicks. I Um, love the Bulls, of course. Michael Jordan, Pippen. All yeah, those jazz, course, all those guys. Rodman later on. Of course he did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, rightfully so. They were, you know, the greatest team of all time. Muggsy Bogues was, he wasn't an, like he was obviously, he was in the NBA, so automatically he's good. But in in term, in, in the context of the NBA, he was an average player. Like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like, I don't know, John Stockton or Gary Coleman. Sorry, not Gary Coleman. What's his Gary, name? I was going to say, Gary Coleman wouldn't no, be a good not, basketball it's, player. It's someone, it's Gary. <laughs> uh, it's someone... It's Gary someone. It begins with Gary C. someone. Patrick yeah. Ewing, all those. No, players. no, I'm just saying, like, he yeah. wasn't an exceptionally good guard as a player. Like, oh, he, a guard, guard, right, like right, stat- right. If you look at his stats, you know, mm-hmm. as a player or as a guard, you know, they're, they're good, again, because he's in the NBA. You've got to be good to be in the NBA. But, you know, compared to other NBA guards and players mm-hmm. at the time, he was pretty average. But he was mostly famous for being the shortest ever NBA player in the history of the, the league. Five foot three. So like 1.8 meters. He's five foot three. Oh, that's really short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always remembered his height because my mum is five foot three. and I. Oh, just, right. Same height. A, yeah. It was an association I always always remembered uh yeah so that's that's what he was famous for more than his skill as a basketball player it was because he was the shortest ever that that record may be different now i I don't know that was in the 90s and the 2000s but yeah if he's not still the most still the shortest player ever he's you know probably one of a handful Mm -hmm. Um, for sure for sure and and that that reputation and that record because that's what most people know him for i think adds to this joke because you know they were talking about a, uh, was it Richard who saw a center or a forward? You know, which are the taller players? You know, the six yeah. foot tens and the seven foot ones. They're the usually the powerful, that can take the out powerful. the Chicago fire. Yeah, yeah, like they're <laughs> usually the the tallest players on the team. You know, they're the, the high sixes and the early seven footers, um, and the guards are usually the shorter guys. Um, still tall, but short compared to the others. I think the fact that they use Muggsy Bogues, who is the shortest NBA player in history, adds to the to the joke, which is you know that you know this guy had a, a massive you know fire fire hose dick. Not only because he's African-American, but because he is a very tall African-American. So I thought it was a smart mm-hmm, yeah. choice who they could have used because it's like, well, we'll use the shortest player. So by extension, he must have the shortest dick in the NBA. Yeah, and that's what they were talking about, Larry and Richard yeah. in the restaurant in a yeah, previous scene. Like the guards to... probably aren't that big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they're not yeah, as tall. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, not as yeah, tall, yeah. I really, I, I really like the fact that they didn't just use any guard. They used the shortest guard ever. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Muggsy goes to take a leak as Larry tries to look at his dick. It's implied it's massive as Tyrone. Tyrone is about to hit Larry. Larry does the heart attack trick once more and Tyrone asks if he's okay. <laughs> so Tyrone, did this time he didn't have a crowbar with him, but he was ready to swing his fist 
Yeah, he. Um, I thought he handled, you know, being confronted by two fans in the toilet. Like that's a pretty awkward place to, you know, to sort of meet fans and shake hands and exchange pleasantries. He handled mm. that pretty well, you know. And he's like, okay, guys, like time for me to go to the loo. And then just two guys like peering down, perving at his his uh, mm. apparently, you know, freak Humongous. size dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he has. I think he has a right to go off here. He, he does. I'm on Muggsy's side on this one. I don't think he overreacted. He's like, what are you doing, man? Like, come on, you know. I've already, <laughs> I've already, shared, yeah. I've already like. You know, be nice to you halfway to the toilet. Like, fuck off, you weirdo. <laughs> exactly. Have you noticed? Did you notice that he saw Larry look at him, but he didn't notice Richard? Oh, I didn't notice that, no. Yeah, so he looks at Larry and then Larry, he gets angry. But Richard was looking at his dick too. But Muggsy, Muggsy didn't see uh, Richard look at it. So mm. that's why he didn't attack Richard. He would well, have probably just yelled or attacked both of them. Yeah, I guess he would have just reacted to whoever he first noticed. And it happened to be Larry, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Larry probably had like the most obvious glare, whereas Richard was probably more subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Larry's yeah. a bit taller as well, so, you know. Yeah, he was taller than Muggsy. <laughs> well, makes yeah, I think sense. I live by a little most, bit, I think. Most most people are taller than Muggsy. Of course, yeah, you or me, even I'm taller. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, very true. Larry is heading to the medical clinic to Dr. Jack and uh, he's walking up and an African-American man is walking past and he locks his car as the man walks past it. <laughs> the man asks Larry if he thought that he would steal the car, which he denies. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's terrible timing by yeah. Larry. And of course, Wanda once again looks at a distance and goes up to Larry as they are uh, shooting another scene uh, very close by to the medical center. Mm. <laughs> of course, you know, the, the film set is, is wherever Larry is. Makes perfect sense. The man, maybe they're doing a documentary on Larry's life. It's like one of those fly on the wall <laughs> documentaries. <Yeah. laughs> and Wanda's narrating it or something. He's a very sick individual. He hates <laughs> black people. Yeah. Let's watch his day-to-day life. <laughs> Probably something like that, if I had to take a guess. Yeah, if you actually look in the background of uh, all of the uh, the episodes of um, all the scenes in this episode, you actually see people with cameras in the bushes, you know, filming paparazzi <laughs> following, you know, Larry all <laughs> They're trying to catch him. Exactly. And then they got like the film, the films shoot like, you know, several feet away <laughs> from, yeah. from it. Grainy, grainy, um, eight millimeter footage of, you know, Larry being a horrible racist. Oh no. It's, it's part of an expose for something. Wanda's doing an expose. She wants yeah. to become a journalist or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really has it in for him. Wanda once again goes up to Larry to a costume for his perceived prejudice. Wanda calls Larry's car a piece of shit anyway, and that no black man <laughs> would want it. <laughs> they want something a bit more get up. She says, <laughs> uh, she asks Larry if, if, uh, Mark, that's the name of uh, Larry's writer friend, looked at the script, or producer friend, I believe. Uh, Larry said he looked at it but didn't like it. Wanda asks if she told him if if, if he told Mark if she was a black woman who wrote the script to get it over the line. And uh, Larry said, no, I never said that. And Wanda's like, sometimes you got to play that card to get stuff done. You know, a liberal, you know, a liberal wants to feel good when they say, oh, I'm a liberal and I'm helping a black woman. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you, you got to know when to play the card. And Larry yeah. says, he'll say to her that, to Mark, that she's black. <laughs> yeah. And then she says something. Same like with brown skin, black, not one of those white skin, light black. Yeah. Like, you know, really, <laughs> I'm real really, black. Really sell the point that I'm black. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like really, I'm really black. You know, really sell it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I wasn't really a fan of this scene. I thought the joke, you know, had kind of been done with the parking valet and it was done a lot better because there was more, I don't know, just it was smarter, I think. The Larry that misunderstood that this African-American guy dressed in a, you know, a typical valet costume standing next to a valet stand was the valet. I just thought like a coincidence of beeping your car, you know, locking your car and a, and an African-American bloke walking past and the guy going, oh, well, that you must have done that because of, of me, you know, must have thought. I was just like, uh, I don't know. It was just the same joke, but just, I don't know, not as inspired or something. 
I yeah, just thought, I get I thought, what you I mean. Thought they yeah. I thought they could have just like, you know, Wanda comes to Larry's house or they run into each other again without the other racist, without the, the Carlock thing. And I just didn't, it was just, and the implication, again, obviously we don't think, you know, and, you know, Larry technically is not a racist person. It's just misperceptions based on thoughtless and unfortunate coincidences with, it, with uh, you know, involving him. But you know, it's like it's it's so it's so much of a stretch to suggest that like whenever you lock your car, you got to look around and make sure that there's no no non-white people around in case they think that you are locking it because of them. You know, it's just I, mm. I just thought it was a bit too much of a stretch to show that Larry's this insensitive racist. I was like, eh. I, I just think the comedy was more it. like the really bad timing of the lock. Just the fact that the man happened to be at the car and Larry, like Larry, didn't yeah, I just, obviously. I just do don't it think that. any reasonable person, regardless of their their race or their history or their experience, would assume if they were walking past a car and it locked, and their white owner was five meters away. I don't think any reasonable person, and I I know that this is a TV show and that it's fantastical, and that you know we also in this episode we've also talked about how most of the coincidences are unbelievable, but we suspend our belief as a viewer, you know, for the sake of the show, I just thought no one in real life, I don't think ever, unless they're a fucking Looney Tune, would assume that someone has locked their car just because they're walking past and just because they happen to be, you know, African-American or, or a different minority. Yeah, I get you. And it was just, his reaction was so ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just, I, I couldn't, I don't know, maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe that does happen. And, you know, people do react like that. I don't know. But I reckon it, just, it would it have just been probably, so yeah. so ridiculous as I it just I, yeah. it just took me out of the scene. I just didn't. They could have set up Wanda and Larry meeting and having the same interaction exactly the same way. Larry, you know, Wanda still thinks he's a racist. Larry, you know, still is always defensive about it and you know cares less and less about it. They could have had the exact same exchange without that stretch of a scene or that. You make a good scene. point. You know what would have made that this scene funnier? It would have been funny if Larry just locked the car. And maybe the guy just turned around and looked at Larry and went, like, really? <laughs> you know, maybe like said something like that and then just walked off. And then Larry's like, Yeah, what? if he just, if oh, he just turned around and like shook his head, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, what, really? Like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh... I don't know. I, I can't, you know, don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but, you know, I'm a white dude. I've never experienced real racism or any racism in my life before. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's where I'm coming from. But fair enough. Like, I just can't, I can't put myself in a situation where I can imagine anyone reacting, assuming that, you know, this white dude, this old white dude is locking their car because, you know, I happen to be standing next to it or walking past it and because yeah. I'm African-American or whatever. No, it fair. just seems so ridiculous as to, it just, I don't know, I just didn't, just didn't buy it. And it was unnecessary. You've already made the joke and you made the joke yeah. in a far better way. It's just rehashing a joke and it just seemed uninspired and kind of unnecessary for me. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, oh, well, that's the way it goes. Larry is in the waiting room reading a golf magazine and sees a golf tip in it as he tries to do it, and he seems very impressed. He walks up to the receptionist as his name is called, and he's impressed with the new magazines. Larry is in Dr. Jack's office on the treadmill. Renee walks in, and he avoids looking at her. Uh, she tells Dr. Jack that Betty's husband, Bernie, who wants to kick Larry's ass, will be here in 10 minutes. Larry's heart rate begins to go up again on the ECG. So you think, you know, Larry's not looking at Renee... And he's like, everything's good. I'm smooth sailing. You probably have like another couple of minutes left on the on the monitoring and, and he was in the clear. But uh, yeah, bikes again. When he hears Bernie's going to come and kick his ass. Yeah, bound to happen. You know, it was never going to... The second time around was never going to go well for Larry. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, because you thought maybe he'd be in the clear, but then something turned up. So uh, do you think Larry... Do you think Larry ran in... I, I feel like Larry probably stopped, like Dr. Jack was going to tell him his results. And then Larry just was like, fuck this. I'm going, I got to go. Sorry. <laughs> 
You probably just missed Bernie. Maybe maybe because of Dr. Jacks and Larry's history, Larry doesn't feel like he can be honest with him. But no. I feel like I feel like the whole situation could have been resolved if, you know, if Larry, you know, once once um you know, once they're on their own, if Larry just explained, look, the reason why I got a spike in my heart rate last time was because of she walked in, I got turned on, you know, blah blah blah. You know, it was Renee. Whereas in this and this one he's like, Oh look, you know, I've got a bit of a beef with what's his name? Bernie. Uh, Bernie. No, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bernie. You know, like Bernie probably wants to kick my ass. Like if you just mm. explained why there's a spike in the heart rate, you know, the doctor might have, you know, been a bit annoyed, but I think he would have been understanding and then just rescheduled another time or come back later mm. today or whatever. Well that's um, probably what happened because you know Larry yeah. in, in in a later episode Larry is, is still rehearsing for the producers. Yeah obviously so, yeah. obviously it's um, <laughs> something came up. You know, it didn't it didn't yeah it didn't get him kicked out of the producers. But um I think if Larry just said look I don't have a heart defect it's just that both times you know I got first time I got turned on and the second time I, I was anxious about getting my ass kicked I, it would have just it just would have simplified the situation for Larry. Of course. It would have been a shitty way if he had to get out of the producers because of that. But uh, it's, it sounds like it got resolved because he, he will yeah. be in the producers <laughs> later yeah. on. In the final scene, Larry and Cheryl are in bed watching Seinfeld on TV and he's fiddling with his heart halter. Uh, Cheryl said that the surrogate changed her mind and will give the baby back to the couple. Larry says once the halter is off, then he can go back to the producers. The episode ends and the phone from uh, the crazy friend Marilyn uh, is ringing and they ignore it. Uh, They think it's Marilyn. The voicemail kicks in and then it's Irving Schwimmer on the end and he's responding to what Larry yelled at before, calling him all kinds of nasty names as Larry and Cheryl look at the phone. And then this, the episode ends. Yeah, so an unexpected ending. I thought it would just be, you know, them sort of wrapping it up by talking about it in bed and going to sleep. But then uh, the voicemail was like a nice little cherry on top that I completely forgot about because so much has happened since Larry left that accidentally yeah. abusive voicemail. You know, he's faked a heart attack and he went to hospital and surrogate ran away and blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> it, it was just, it, they do that sometimes where you forget about it's kind of like it reminds me actually last week in the um the carpool lane where you know Larry has the jacket he buys the weed and he keeps it in his yeah. jacket and then so much That's happens right. and then again I can't remember his name why can't I remember his name oh Marty Marty. Marty Marty gets done you know he he gets it, yeah. he gets uh, arrested for drug possession um and you kind of forget about it you're like oh that's right Larry bought weed and that's right it's in his jacket it kind of reminded me of that you're like oh that's right Larry yeah, you forgot about the abusive yeah. voicemail obviously <laughs> obviously that's got to pay off somewhere so it was a nice it was a nice way to to bring it all home it was a nice way to bring it home and uh, I guess we'll bring this episode home huh because that's the end of that wonderful episode the surrogate I give it five out of five man it's my favorite episode of the season what about you uh, I give it four and a half Great. I didn't think it was for this season I think it's probably my equal favorite so far really good episode lot going on um hilarious the you know people think that Larry's a racist even though it's a, a storyline that's you know been rolled out a few times it's still got a lot of legs which I really like but yeah really fantastic episode and it is it is a fan favorite as well and I understand why mm, yeah no it's terrific a terrific episode but yeah hope you uh, enjoyed that one that was Curbcast another episode of that and we are at the tail end of season four we got three episodes to go of this excellent excellent season uh, you can find us on social media at curbcast pod uh, you can also rate and review us on apple Podcasts or any other podcast service uh, five stars preferably but whatever you think and uh, those reviews help us in the algorithm so if you if anyone types in curb your enthusiasm uh, will come up on the list uh, pretty highly so any review helps a lot and uh, tell your friends and family about us as well anyone who likes seinfeld and or curb be sure to tell them and uh, hopefully they enjoy what they see or what they hear what they hear yeah what they see mm-hmm. definitely not what yeah they hear. What we they don't see. do video no. podcasts just yet <laughs> no no no, no. no. Okay. what they see definitely not i mean even if they saw a photo of us they'd be like oh uh, <laughs> yeah what, what they hear maybe maybe <laughs> maybe they're like maybe they're like my 
you know, COVID, my docile, docile uh, COVID tones. <laughs> Your docile COVID. No, you did pretty well though, bud. Yeah, you oh, did thanks, very well thanks. considering. And, uh, you're yeah, at the tail yeah. end and hopefully by ne- the time we record next time, you'll uh, you'll feel a lot better. Yeah, I think I'll be back to 100%. Yeah, but I think I think I need a nap after this. This is definitely zapped, whatever energy nah, I have. Uh, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Yeah. I, th- I thought so. <laughs> and uh, if you want to j- drop in and say g'day or shoot us an email, just, you know, give us feedback or say hello, whatever you want to do, curbcastpod at gmail.com is where it's at. You can support us for a couple of bucks a month as well on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mishmash Media. Mishmash Media is our burgeoning podcast network. And uh, this year we'll probably have a few more things that we have planned that we'll, uh, we'll bring to you, but we'll see how that goes. Anyway, my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we will catch you next week for another episode of Curbcast Season 4. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of Mishmash Media, an independent podcast network. Follow us on social media at Mishmash Media AU or support us on Patreon. All those links are in the show notes.